See, the thing about memes is we see them after, most of us see them after they've already spread and they're now like public domain mm. and everyone's used them, everyone's had a turn. It's like those jokes on Twitter where you see a funny joke once and you think that's quite good. Oh, here it is again with a slight variation. Here it is again with a slight variation. Here it is again with a slight variation. And by the time it, it's penetrated, you don't know where it came from. But every meme, every joke, every, every one of these like big widespread goofs, no matter how big they get and no matter how many people do them, they all came from one brain. Yeah. Who we will never know. And that got me to thinking, at one point, at some moment in time, one individual, one human being sat at their computer and thought, here's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm a gamer not because I have no life, but because I have many. One human brain thought that one day. <sighs> and we'll never know who. Yeah. It was probably Ben Shapiro, but we'll never know who. So, someone out there in the world sat down and went, you know what, I'm going I'm, I'm to come up with a t-shirt slogan today. It's going to be a thing. And they wrote down... I'm only wearing black until they invent a darker colour. Someone, yes, one person thought of that. Yeah. And did it. One person thought of that, and now every single uh, market that sells vaguely gothic teen clothing has that shirt. Yeah. It is a part of the pop culture now. That one with the, the, the woman doing a cry and the cat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very accusatory. Originally, one person did that. Yeah. But by the time I've seen it, it's, like, gone through... 50,000 people. Yeah. None of us will ever make a joke that will spread that well. We're done. We're dead. Anyway, the point is... What you're saying is that memes are sluts, basically. <laughs> and I'm not slut-shaming. I'm all for memes slutting it up. But that's what they're doing. They'll go everywhere. Have you all gone on that Disney Plus yet? Uh, we don't have it over in the UK yet, but yes. Oh, that's all right. We've barely got it over here in the US. Uh, so... Um, that, that sure is all of the Disney stuff, I suppose. Oh, and by the way, if anyone, like, complains that we haven't started this podcast talking about video games, right? Yeah. First of all, I said the word gamer within the first three minutes. <laughs> and second of all, if you go on Polygon.com, they are a Disney Plus fan site now. So this is definitely <laughs> video game material. Uh, so here's, here's what I'll say. Um, I was... I was helped into being able to click onto it and have a look around, and uh, the the more I think about Disney Plus, the more I'm like, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Where I'm just going to go back to piracy, probably. Like, I'm just going to be honest about it. Um, I don't know that I want to spend the next six months waiting for it to come out in the UK, dodging spoilers for stuff that Marvel considers to be canon, uh, but also that I cannot pay them to watch. And I'm like, oh, oh, The Mandalorian seems cool. Within an hour of it airing, I already knew everything that happened in the first episode because my timeline was just fucking flooded with people spoiling you it. Just find out everything. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair to anyone spoiling it, to be fair, you can't really spoil that first episode of The Mandalorian because nothing fucking happens in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a sequence of old shit you've seen in other Star Wars stuff with really bad cliche writing. Yeah, but I can't be surprised about the, the, the stuff. Yeah, I, 
I get I get the driving point. You know, I don't I don't get even the surprise of all oh, that oh that's a thing I know. That Mandalorian was fucking boring. I know some people like it and that's fine you're entitled to your opinion. You know you you are literally not correct. Yeah. There's a bit where there's like like I'll, I'll, I'll be very vague, but there's a standoff. Of course there is. Yeah. And it's like four on one. And they're like, there's four of us. And the guy says, I like those odds. And I'm like, fucking what? <laughs> it's, 2019. <laughs> it's 2019 current year argument. Those are terrible odds. But well, I mean, obviously it's factually terrible odds. But it's like, how many times have you seen that? Bad odds. And then the person's like, oh, I like those odds because I'm really good at what I do. I'm like, fuck off. Have you seen yet the things going round of how um, some of their old 4x3 Disney stuff has been cropped into 16x9? Oh, it's killing The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's killing a bunch of visual gags off The Simpsons. And that's a real shame. Yeah, that's a bummer. Everything's out of order as well. I started watching that that DuckTales revamp. So I was like, yeah. right, I got this Disney Plus. I'm going to finally watch that DuckTales. It's really good, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's not in the right order. <laughs> Nothing is in the right order. Um, the Simpsons is fucked up. Like, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1 is, like, several episodes removed from Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, or at least one episode <laughs> removed. DuckTales, the pilot episode is, like, four episodes in, and then the second episode is listed as episode 10. Um, someone on Twitter pointed out to me that if you go, if you watch the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, which is awesome, by the way, the first episode Disney Plus is listed is The Return of Venom. Oh, dear. He's back. <laughs> episode one. He's back. <sighs> you know, I, I, I'm not even like the technical stuff and the problems. That's to be expected. Right? Like, this happens every time. I don't feel surprised by the fact that there's a lot of downtime and that things are disorganized. And, yeah, I'm used to that. I'm just terrified of how much Disney owns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, and and I, I, everybody's signing on to it, and I get that because they have all the stuff. But it's just a matter of time before they start to strangle. Yeah. Oh, I hated myself. I was... I've been hating myself all year, absolutely loathing Disney Stranglehold, while at the same time being, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait to get Disney Plus and watch DuckTales in an uh, episode of The Simpsons. You, you, you know what the thing that, that that got me on it was, is when when they started talking about the fact that their Marvel MCU TV shows they're going to do are apparently going to be vital viewing or you won't understand the the following films. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I'm going to... Oh, I think okay. I'll end up losing interest in the yeah, whole... Done, like, I like the Marvel Universe and that, but I couldn't... Yeah. I watched the Daredevil show and season one of Punish It and season one of... of um, um, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. For some reason, I kept wanting to say Felicity Jones. And I don't know if that's a, <laughs> if that's a thing. It um, is. Yeah. Who's Felicity Jones? It's uh, like, a, I, I want to say it's one of those like lawyer dramas. I've never watched it. Why am I thinking of Felicity Jones? I've never watched anything called Felicity Jones. <laughs> I watched Ali McBeal. That's a lawyer thing. It had a baby in it that danced. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? The dancing baby? Why isn't that the on Disney ba- Plus? Uh. Anyway, what was the point I was making? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched, I've watched a bit of the, but I couldn't watch. I, I didn't get around to Iron Fist. I, oh no, Felicity Jones is an actress. Sorry, oh, okay. I had to interrupt. Yeah, maybe she was yeah. in Ally McBeal, and that's where the confusion arose. No, she, <laughs> but she wasn't a Star Wars thing. Star Wars Forces of Destiny. I don't even know what that is. I haven't even watched that. We, we're going. This is a weird Ouroboros we've ended up in. <laughs> this is. Uh, anyway, the point is, is oh. I, I couldn't keep up with the Marvel TV shows as it was. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if I can keep up. Like, I was enjoying the MCU, but I'm not I'm not pledging my life. Yeah. My uh, life's work will not be following the MC fucking you. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's that bit. That's that bit, dumb. Um, actually, is there anything else we want to say about Disney Plus? I know it's not strictly game related, but it is in the nerd sphere. It, it, my problem with it is basically the problem with with all services where stuff is delayed by months and months and months and months and months for the UK. Yeah, we're in a global I'm gonna market. Inev- I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to inevitably pirate it. I did it with Steven Universe when there was no way for me to pay to see it in the UK. It just wasn't an option. So I was like, fuck it. I'll pay for it when it comes to the UK, but I'm watching it now. And that 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 is how I feel about Disney Plus right now. If you don't give me an option to give you money, I I won't give you money. In the world of social media where these companies, these companies deliberately push FOMO, that whole, you know, you've got to jump on this immediately. You can't miss this. Everyone's talking about it on social media at the same time. You've got to watch, got to consume, got to join in. If you've not made that entertainment available to an entire fucking market... Don't be surprised if they start finding other means to access it. At some point in the future, when it comes to the UK, I will probably pay for a month or two of it and go, okay, I feel like I've done my, you know, I did something halfway moral to pay pay for the fact that I took it early. But if I can't pay for it now and I'm curious about it, eh, I'm not going to spend six months dodging spoilers. (laughs) These companies have turned everyone into, like, you know, first-day adopters for all of the entertainment. Yeah. You can't you can't then expect people to think, I will wait until next year to watch The Mandalorian. It's not going to happen. Yeah. They'll find a way. So there's that. I, you know, obviously I'm not promoting piracy, but, like, you know, you know how it be. Disney indirectly <laughs> promotes it with with the, the attitude it's fostered among among its audience. So you're you're in the clear. This is literally all of all all Disney's fault. You know, and I'll, I'll it's kind of like uh, I don't I don't promote the idea of shoplifting. However, <laughs> if you are going to shoplift, do it from a major corporation. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, go to, go to your your big chain and do your shoplifting yeah. there. And they're insured. You're not actually even <laughs> screwing them. You're screwing their insurance company. Yeah, like. Don't don't steal digital content from some small independent creator, you know. Yeah. But if you're gonna steal content, steal it from a big faceless corporation that doesn't know what to do with the infin- infinity money it has. And wants nothing but to you know just take and take and take. That's it. Ah, <laughs> uh, we found a way to go back to back to politics roundup corner. What? 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 How'd that happen? How did we get here? It's almost like. Everything in life relates back to it in some way. Hey, hey, keep your politics out of my everything. (laughs) I don't want politics in anything. I don't want politics in my capitalism. I don't want politics in my video games. Don't want it in nothing. So I just want to point out at this moment, um, we're having right now a a very tough podquisition moment. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got an opportunity to unite everyone. And, and and I have not done that, and, and for that, I take full accountability, and I'm truly sorry. <laughs> All right, oh. what are we doing? Thank you, J. Allen Sterling. That's brilliant. Oh. I, I could never be mistaken for him. I've lo- I've got literally <laughs> like anti his hair. <laughs> um, right. 
so that was a fun little discussion about about Disney Plus yeah. owning everything, but not owning too much. So that all the other companies can have their own bespoke streaming services so that they've turned the digital age into just cable again. Well, they they own just enough to allow the illusion of competition down the road. Well, there's that too, yeah. Uh, So who's who's done a video games? I've done a video games. <gasps> Videos game? Yeah. Was was it a different one from the one what you previously did? Well, it, it wasn't until like an hour before recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, because yeah, I have I have been playing more oxygen not included, and I restarted my whole base because I did a couple of stupid things. Uh, but I really liked the planet I was working or the asteroid I was working in. So I restarted. I'm like back to where I was a week ago and very happy with the progress. So that's good. But the other thing I, I played, I picked up uh, that uh, there, uh, the Legend of Bumbo. That's that one from the Binding of Isaac person slash people. Yeah, yep. The, well, it's Edmund McMillan. And I think James Id is who he's working hmm. with on this one. Um, and it's not bad. Uh, it is... There's the Steam reviews for it are really pretty rough, actually. Yeah, yeah, and there's a reason for that. It, uh, it it's a lot like you remember when the Binding of Isaac came out. Yeah, and how rough the Binding of Isaac was. Uh... Like, and I'm not talking like Binding of Isaac, you know, plus or whatever it was. Like you know, the original when, when it like the all flash. Like flash stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where we kind of are with Bumbo. There's uh, not a, there's very, very few quality of life things in it. Is it fair to say that right now it is there to go, this is the mechanics, let us know what you think about it, we'll add to it from here? No, it's, I feel like the game is, like, complete. Like, the yeah. game itself. It's just everything surrounding the game feels kind of unfinished. So you have the start menu, or you're the, the, you know, the, the option, the menu. There's no options menu. yeah. You can't adjust the volume anywhere, oh. which uh, at least I haven't been able to find it. You you click from the main screen and you get new game or tutorial replay or clear your progress or quit. Uh, and the menus look really rough and unfinished. Like visually, there's just it, it, there's polish missing from it. And that, I think, is turning off a lot of people from what is, I think, a pretty interesting take on match four. Um, you have, it's, it's sort of a a turn-based combat meets match four thing. You get to make a number of moves on a grid, uh, sliding rows and columns to create matches of four or more same tiles. And the tiles are all like, they're bones and poop and teeth and things like that. And they each represent a different mana type that you can use to power spells um, and there's three tracks that enemies move down in front of you, so you have to manage these lanes where they are by setting up defenses and attacking them, and they move around, and they take turns and warn you when they're going to mm-hmm. attack next turn, so you have a bit of, you know, defensive-offensive play. It's really, there's some depth to it, and it's fun. It, it sounds a lot like uh, Puzzle Quest, from the way you're describing it. It's it's a bit, yeah, I played a lot of Puzzle Quest. Yeah. It's, it's not quite the same as Puzzle Quest because Puzzle Quest was very sort of, you know, you're against an enemy. Okay, yeah, so this is more sort of dealing with positional, like, yeah. multiple positional things, but 
at it, at its core, it's the same kind of way you're dealing with them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it has all, it also has some of that binding of Isaac. Like as you play, you get power ups that you know give you all sorts of different strategies to put in. So as you clear levels, you'll get to a little shop in between and get to pick, you know, or a chest room and get to pick between two spells that get added to your inventory and then can be used going forward. Uh, there's character unlocks. And I, I haven't, I've only been playing for about 45 minutes, but um, I, I did clear a first run, uh, beat a boss, unlocked a new character. So it's going to progress a lot like Binding of Isaac did, I think, where the games get longer and longer. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's still hard with only three stages to clear, including the boss. Like, it was a challenge to beat the Duke of Flies. Mm. Um, but I'm having fun with it. I think that I'm going to keep at it because I did play the hell out of Puzzle Quest. Like, a lot. Yeah. Th this is why, like, this has been on my radar, is as soon as someone mentioned Puzzle Quest as even vaguely tangentially related to this, I was like, Puzzle Quest is my jam. Sign me the heck up for something like that, but hopefully with some of the randomization stuff of Binding of Isaac. Yeah, and I mean, the, the multiple lanes really require you to have a much more strategic approach to what you're doing. Um... I kind of wish the grid had one more row. It's uh, it's four by eight. Mm. I kind of wish it was five by eight because in a match four, I'd like to have a little buffer on either end. But yeah. it does helpfully tell you what everything in the row above that is going to be as it drops in. So that's nice. Huh. This this sounds like a lot of fun. It is it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Is it PC only at the second? I think I so. Think. I know it's planned for everything, but I think it's only yeah. on Steam. It's only been out for day. And yeah, I think it's only on Steam. Yeah, and it's gonna. You know, I expect it's going to be a little while before it really, like, polishes up and looks everything the way it should. But the aesthetic's great. I like the cardboard stuff. The animations are really cute. Uh, the Much like Binding of Isaac, the music is great for the first half hour, and now I have muted it. Um, <laughs> but because there are no sound options in the game, I've now had to mute the entire game. Uh, yes. In, my, in, in, in Windows. So uh, that's kind of a bummer. Um, I do expect that a lot of this stuff's going to get cleaned up, and I don't think it's going to take forever for it to happen. Uh, and I think there's a really strong game in there if you're willing to just look past it and get yeah. in on it. Now, I don't think you're going to be upset, but... I having a look at some of these images, the, the sort of, um, almost like diorama with, like, layered cardboard things that have some sort of depth of where they're layered in a space, that is a really strong look. Yeah, it's a very good look, and it works pretty well for the most part. There's, I've had a couple of instances where I wasn't entirely clear on whether, like, because there will be bits of poop in the lanes that will block attacks that you make. Um, okay. And... Sometimes it can be, or, or other, like piles of rocks, other little streets, just like in Binding of Isaac, in the rooms, you'd have those obstacles. Yeah. Uh, and in much the same way here, they, they function the same way, but it can be hard sometimes to tell if, a, like, a flying enemy is in front of or behind the obstruction. Uh. uh. You know, and it puts a little light on what you're supposed to hit, but I've had, I've been confused or not clear and made decisions being uncertain of what that was going to, to be, so... Like I say, it it's not perfect. It's still a little rough around the edges, and I think they're going to get a lot of feedback on this, and, and there will be some changes. But it does feel like a complete game, just one that they didn't 
care enough about some aesthetic stuff prior to release. Okay. I also hear it's really buggy, but I haven't had that problem. But, uh, you know, again, I expect that because I played Binding of Isaac when it came out. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think anybody who came into Binding of Isaac at, like, Rebirth has just doesn't have the context to... <laughs> That's it. Like, I think, I think a lot of people have a very skewed perspective on what launch day uh, Binding of Isaac was. Yeah. Because, like, as I, I'm, I really enjoyed Binding of Isaac. I tried getting into it when it first came out. Really didn't jive with it. Came back to it once it was a bit more polished and was like, oh, I see. I see what this is going for now. But, like, there are people who who did not see where it began. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm happy... I'm happy I bought it. I would be playing it a lot. Yeah. Also, I've just had a look at it. The 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 price is not bad at all. It's what about ten uh, about ten pounds? I don't know what it is in in dollars, but that's that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I I think it's like fifteen dollars and yeah, fifteen bucks. Yeah, ten yeah, percent off right now. But yeah, uh, that yeah. is that is not bad for something like this. No. Nice. What about you? What? Ooh, ooh me? Yeah. What'd you play? Me. Uh, We're gonna have to talk about that game, aren't we? So I've started playing through that Pokemon, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mm. Um, so I've not played a huge amount about it, so you don't have to listen to me waffle on for like next week. I'm gonna talk for like 45 minutes straight about it, so get ready for that. But um, yeah, yeah, I started playing the first couple of hours of Pokemon Sword, and um, despite despite how like the internet would have you believe right now that it's the worst game that has ever existed terrible nothing redeeming about it don't even make jokes about pokemon sword and shield i learned that the <sighs> fucking hard way people oh, a couple of people were upset at us talking about it last week yeah i don't think they quite understood that like i genuinely love ekans yeah i it is genuinely my favorite pokemon and i am disappointed ekans isn't in it and i thought I would heighten that because it's part of the running joke about me really liking Ekans. People, some people did not get that read on it at all. There, there was here's the thing: there was nothing wrong with your joke last week. Uh, the discourse around this game has become hellish. Um, I cannot remember the last time I wanted less to do with the community surrounding a game because there are some valid criticisms of of these new Pokemon games, and I will get to them in a minute. But they do not. Uh, that the anger is just disproportionate to the actual problems that they're complaining about. And I'll get to that in a second. But overall opinion, I really like this game. It's, um, it is a, it is a new Pokemon. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining about the visuals from like, you know, leaked live streams and trailers and stuff. When you're actually playing it, it looks really beautiful. Um, the facial animations are really, um, expressive. There's a lot more variety in um, outfits and designs for characters so you feel a lot less like you're fighting the same one hiker 15 times in a row which is really nice um, I have really appreciated the wide variety of Pokemon that's available right from the very beginning of the game uh, previous Pokemon games because it's very much a linear path oh I got to the first gym and I have a Rattata and a Pidgey and maybe a Nidoran because they're the only things I could find before I reached the gym yeah uh, before you get to the first gym in this they open up the wild area which is their big open world section and go just go have a wander find some stuff I saw people upset about that because the game doesn't let you catch certain Pokemon at certain levels or something yeah I, so I was I was about to get into this I'll get I'll get okay. there in a second oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um yeah so on on the positives I like that there is a wider variety of Pokemon from the start so that you can 
You don't have to take fill a Pokemon just because you need something in your party. I like the sound of that. You you can go pick some stuff you actually want and feel a little more balanced before you start doing the gyms. That's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's talk about the my 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 big issue with the wild area right now, which is a lot of the marketing about this big open world section in the Pokemon game has been. You know, it's as big as two sections from Breath of the Wild, and you can go wherever you want, and if you go off the beaten path, you might find a really strong Pokemon. Um, and it sounded like... And, and maybe this is just, you know, getting getting the wrong impression from, you know, the way it was presented, but it sounded like it you were going to be encouraged to go off the beaten path, that there would be reasons to go and find strong Pokemon out of the way. Well, if you advertise a massive open world... Yeah. It stands to reason people will want to explore the massive open world. Yeah. So, here's here's the thing. There's there's always been this thing in Pokemon where every time you beat a gym, they raise, like, the, the level of what Pokemon will obey you, and it's your, your encouragement to not wildly over-level your team. That's always been a thing. Yeah. Uh, what they've done now is you can't catch Pokemon that are above a certain level. Um, which is weird. Yeah. Because giving you this big open space, you you obviously go, oh, I see a Gyarados over there. I, you know, it's probably going to wipe my team, but if I really luck out on a ball, I want to go catch that Gyarados. I want to have a Gyarados on my team. Like, yeah, like surely, surely the Pokemon already having a really high level is itself the barrier. Well, exactly. That's, that was my thinking was I'll catch that Gyarados. I might not be able to use it till I clear a couple of gyms, but when I do, it's ready. And no, they just the the po the, the game says something along the lines of um, oh this Pokemon hasn't let its guard down because it doesn't respect you enough. Um, come back later. Um, which which honestly means that like going and exploring off the beaten path is kind of discouraged because what what's the the point you can't really interact with a lot of these pokemon it seems counterproductive you could still fight them and that does mean that like if you if you want to level up your party and you don't want to sit there grinding low level stuff um you can go fight something that's over leveled for you take most of your team to take it down to take down this one pokemon and that one pokemon that survives get a huge fucking boost of experience like that's that's a totally valid way of leveling up your team faster than you would otherwise. You know, there, there are some nice advantages to putting those strong Pokemon around, but I, I feel like it was just like, a, it wasn't what I had expected and it was something that I had to had to adjust for. I was a bit disappointed about it. it yeah, it seems like a really inelegant solution when they already had a cap there. Yeah. Like, why not just be able to catch it and do the gym leader thing again where you need to progress to get them to listen to you? Exactly. Um, But... Outside of that, there is there is one other complaint I want to get out of the way, which and this is not going to be a problem for everyone, but it's going to be a thing for me. Um, I got really, really, really into shiny hunting in Pokemon uh, over the last year. Uh, basically, I got into it because in Let's Go Pikachu, there was really clear instructions on how you do it. Catch the same Pokemon a bunch of times in a row. A big number will flash up to show how many you've had in a row. Better chance of having shinies. Shinies appear on the overworld. Nice and simple. Um... So, as far as I can tell, there is no chain catching to increase your shiny odds. If there is a new shiny hunting method, I've not found it. But more annoyingly, shiny Pokemon don't seem to appear shiny on the overworld. And that was that was one of my favourite fucking things about Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Yeah. That they seem to have taken out. Now, m 
I've had some people say, uh, the Pokemon that I found a shiny of, its shiny variation and its regular variation aren't very different. Perhaps it was a slightly different shade on the overworld and I didn't notice, but there was no sparkles. There was no, like, hey, look here, that thing's rare. Like, there's no drawing your attention to it in the way that Let's Go Pikachu made a big deal of, that thing's fucking rare, go get it. Yeah. Um, so... That's a real shame for me, and I need to put more time into work out like whether whether that's still something I want to sink lots of time into with this game. Mm-hmm. But going back to good stuff, um, there are a lot of really nice changes I've I've come across so far. Things like um, for character customization, they give you a bunch of money uh, to to buy items in game to customize your character, and there is a shop within the first, like, 20 minutes of the game to go, here you go, don't have to run around as the default character, make yourself look nice and cool. Uh, that's a really cool thing. Uh, they let you catch Pokemon before you've been taught how to teach po- uh, catch Pokemon. They just, you have some Pokeballs already in your bag. If you see something and you know how to catch Pokemon, you can go do that. You can skip some of the tutorials, which is really oh, nice. nice. If you if you fucking know how to catch Pokemon, start catching them before you're taught. Get to the bit of the game where it teaches you how to do it. It's like, oh, you've already got more than your starter. I guess I guess you know how to catch Pokemon. I won't tell you. Like fifty two Pokemon games have come out now. We don't need to be taught. Yeah, yeah. Like have it in there as an option for people who are new. But I I warrant. Over half the people playing this have played a Pokemon game before. It's like a thousand years old now. I'm sure, but at the same time, it is a series that is engineered specifically to bring in a new generation of players with every release, right? Well, this is why I say, like, have it in there, but let people skip it. Well, that's why I think this has got a really good balance of that, which is if you are a kid coming to this who's never played a Pokemon game and doesn't know that there's Pokeballs in your bag, doesn't think about it, you follow the objective markers, that person will teach you how to catch a Pokemon. Uh, If you get to that person and you've already caught a Pokemon, they'll just skip the tutorial and if you get there and you haven't caught a Pokemon, they will say, you know, do you need help with how to catch Pokemon? Or are, you, are you cool? Are you chill with that? Okay, we'll move on. Cool. Some of that has been really nice. Um, additionally, a lot of the changes that they've made to getting Pokemon to be the very best they can be. Uh, we talked a l- about a few of them last week. So they'd sort of had a trailer about some of those changes. Y- yep, it is easier than ever to tailor your Pokemon to be a- amazing, even if... It wasn't when you caught it, which is really nice. So some nice, nice little bits for accessibility. You can play the game entirely one-handed with no motion controls on a single Joy-Con, which is nice if that's a thing you need. And, and beyond that, it's just some quality of life stuff that has been needed for a while. Like um, every single Pokemon Center has a place where if you forgot to learn a move or you said no to it and realized later, I wish I had it or something like that. There's no cost to it. You just go to an NPC and they're like, oh shit, yeah, what move did you want to reteach your Pokemon that they forgot about? That's really nice. Um, escape ropes are no longer a consumable. They're just an infinite item. If you want to get out of a cave, you just can. Nice. Like, there, there are some changes in here that feel like they are things that the core consumers have been asking for. And that's... That's nice. It's nice to see some of these changes made. The story feels a little thin on the ground right now. It, it's kind of nice. The The plot basically strips away a lot of the end of the world stuff that some of the recent Pokemon games have done and seems to be more focused on, hey, you know, ostensibly this is all about, you know, beating the gyms and beating the, 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 the Elite Four at the end of it. 
we're gonna make that a bigger deal. Um, so you see the Elite Four champion from moment one, he's like big and famous and everyone fucking loves him. He's walking around with his Charizard all strutting about. He's, he's a character who you know, who everyone goes on about how he's never lost a match and he's really fucking good and no one's ever going to beat him. And they set him up from the start really well to be like, that's the person whose arse you've got to kick. He's amazing. He's unbeatable. Go fucking beat him. And that's, that's really nice. I like that they... They focus on making the challenge of going and doing the gyms, you know, feel like it's good in and of itself. Yeah, Pokemon never needed those big end-of-the-world scenarios. We deal with that enough, like, in real life. (laughs) We don't need it in the little, you know, catching a magical bear game. Yeah, and on top of that, like, they pepper in a lot of narrative stuff that makes you feel... that, that made me feel like I was cool for doing the gym battles. It was stuff like... You'll sometimes hear about other trainers that like, oh yeah, so and so they're gonna they're gonna go and do the gym. Uh, maybe see how they did. And when you get to the gym, it's like, no, they got their ass handed to them, and they could not continue doing the the the, the Pokemon League thing. Like they're gonna try again next year. They're not good enough. There's a lot of like, these people weren't good enough. This isn't something that just everyone can complete. And that's that's a nice bit of flavor. To, to feel like it's like the gyms themselves are something substantial that you're, you're beating. You know, I, obviously I wish all the Pokemon were there and, you know, that I'm not going to deny that that is a thing that I wish was different. But I've honestly not noticed it right now. There are enough new Pokemon in there and the new Pokemon are on the whole all pretty cool except the fucking snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the snake is the snake isn't great, but like the vast majority of the new Pokemon, I'm like, oh yeah, you're really cool. I would totally want to have you on my team. Like, there's been more Pokemon I want on my team than I have space for, and that's a nice problem to have. I've been trying to stick to just the brand new ones new for this game, and I've had no problem filling my team up doing that. You know, I've, I've not really noticed the ones that aren't there. There's enough Pokemon there that this feels like a like there's a lot of stuff to collect still, so I'm having a good time with it. And I'm sure next week I will have many, many very nitpicky granular thoughts to share about it. <laughs> yeah, what about what about you, Jim? What have you been playing? All right, talking about granular nitpicking. <laughs> you know what? I can't even believe that at the time of talking, and in fact by the time this is published, Death Stranding will not even have been a week old. Oh, God, yeah. It already feels like it came out ages ago. I There's that part of my brain that is like, oh, yeah, didn't didn't we already talk about that? Probably last week. Between now and the last time we did this podcast, I Death Stranding come out. You have actually played it. Yeah. So how 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 are you getting on with it? <laughs> I was speaking to Conrad about this the other day, and I think Laura, you'll understand this feeling as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a feeling that unless you've like done video game reviews and criticism and all of that, if you've not played them for your work, you won't know the feeling. There's this feeling of utter elation you get when you realise you don't have to play a game anymore. Yep. When you're like, the obligation is done. I don't have to play this anymore. I I have played enough of this to have an opinion and I never have to touch it again. Yeah. (laughs) It's a weirdly... Oh, it's a feeling, huh? That's where I got with Death Stranding. I played it, like, most of Thursday... So I got it, I got it a day early. Mm. Um, played it through on Friday morning, and at one point was just like, you know what? I don't do scored reviews. I I do like impressions videos. 
they're more casual by design so that I can have the freedom to do stuff like this. I'm dumb. And I felt so fucking happy. It felt like I got released from jail. You know how I'm going to play Death Stranding? I think I think I figured out how I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait like a year. And then I'm going to go on YouTube. And I'm going to watch a bunch of analysis videos about the narrative and themes. I'm going to give people time to digest it. Because I think that there probably is some stuff in there. And, you know, the way you hear people talk about... You know, the gameplay being just sort of like go from A to B and it's, you know, there's not, there's a lot of nothing in between. Um, that sort of opportunity for contemplative assessment, I think, could have merit. If it was just going from A to B while Low Raw's discography played, it would have been better than what it is. Yeah, yeah like my, my big complaint about it has been... I wish this was more of a walking simulator during the walking times because I don't feel like the sort of uh, uh, like Octodad quop elements of oh you wobble into the oh you wobble into the right oh don't fall out. I, it's so fucking annoying. It sounds like Desert Bus. It, it's a little bit Desert Bus. It it doesn't add anything fun to the experience. It's it it reminds me of Red Dead Redemption Two in the. A lot of the gameplay systems feel like they're there for realism, not because they make things fun. That's the comparison I've been drawing. Yeah, they they often actively detract from the fun. Because, like, here's the thing. If you took out a lot of those and I could just... I could make this a game about walking and occasionally laying a ladder down to cross a hole or walking through a river or climbing up a wall, and he was just enjoy the beautiful scenery and listen to the music as you take these sort of ambles across the the country that i could probably have enjoyed more i find that the gameplay elements make me have a worse time it's just fucking systems everywhere boot degradation oh it adds nothing boot degradation does not help the fucking game yeah but the rain the time fall that that falls rusting everything you're carrying doesn't help the game Having to press the trigger buttons left and right, left and right, so you don't fall over. You feel drunk half the time when you play the game. Like, it feels like you're controlling a drunk man. It doesn't add anything. And I feel like this game has not done nearly enough to do the thing I hoped it would do, which is make me care about the baby in the tube on my stomach. No, I don't give a fuck. It's Because, again, it's another annoying system. Because if if you are out there too long and deal with all the, the fucking invisible ghosts, the baby gets stressed, and then you've got to stop playing the game to rock it up and down a bit. Well, here's the thing. If, if that was the only system you had to manage while you're walking around, maybe I would feel differently, rather than just one of a list I have to manage. It was as I was playing, more chores were being dropped at my feet, more meters to watch, more things to worry about, and I was like, if I hadn't stopped where I was, I definitely would have stopped the next time something like that happened, because I was on that edge of, if it throws one more system, one more thing to micromanage at me, I'm out. And I got bored before I... I even got that far but i heard that if you go on very easy mode it'll strip a lot of that out but i shouldn't have to go on very easy mode to stop kojima's wanton self-indulgence and that's what this game is that like now you mention that i'm like i might i might try doing that because let me know if it makes there are times when i is the thing there are times when i like this game and it's often when i'm not having to deal with that nonsense um it's, it is a beautiful world to explore when you get to see new parts of it and go, oh, that's 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 kind of new. Um, 
I think that Kojima is really good at st- um, lore building and world building stuff in his cutscenes. I think some of those cutscenes um, early on did some really impressive storytelling stuff. Like, um, I- I'm going to talk about something that's like in the first like half hour, and it's not a big spoiler. It's just like a cool little moment. So invisible monsters are all wandering around. Uh, you get the sense that they're pretty bad. A truck flips over near the start at some point, and someone's half crushed under a truck. He's in a lot of pain. He's screaming, understandably. And then the, the sort of handprints of the invisible monsters start to appear. This man who is half crushed under a truck shuts himself up, hand over mouth, forces himself to stay silent. Like, that's a really beautiful moment of world building. You didn't have to tell me how terrifying these monsters are, because someone who is already, like, crushed and dying you know, is scared enough of them to shut himself up. Like, there are moments like that where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know how to to, to build a world, and, you know, there are, there are some cool things in this game that I don't want to have to fight through these sort of Quop-esque systems to not fall over while trying to get to. No, one of the big problems is the game is full of neat ideas and cool things, but it's like every cool idea they had, they just threw in, with no one telling them to stop. Like, no one with a rolled-up newspaper smacking Kojima around the back of the head saying, Stop it, dirty boy! Like, he just kept putting stuff in. And it's just more stuff on top of more stuff on top of more stuff. And I know some people like it, but I found it fucking exhausting. And and I was so sick of it, because every little fancy, every little whimsical idea they had, they just threw it in, regardless of whether it made the game good or not, just like Red Dead Redemption 2 did. And at least Red Dead Redemption 2 had characters I cared about in a world I found interesting, not just dead and depressing. And it didn't have a woman who kept trying to feed me bugs. Why does she keep wanting him to eat one of the bugs? Why does she keep wanting him to eat one of the... He doesn't want to eat it. I don't want to eat it, fragile. Because cause it'll... It'll help you with it'll help you with the time rain or something. I don't want to eat the bug. It'll help <laughs> you with the time rain. I just want to drink monster energy, the refreshing taste. The one thing that survived the nuclear not nuclear, the the human explodey fallout of time rain. Because nothing can age... You can't age a can of Monster until it's undrinkable. It will be drinkable forever. I actually believe that. I believe that Monster Energy, along with cockroaches, will survive the apocalypse. Because I don't think anything... Anything that could kill off the human race isn't enough to make Monster Energy any more or less drinkable than it already is. So I believe that, that Monster Energy is perfectly preserved in the world of Death Stranding. And plus, of course, it, it probably helped pay some of the bills for all of the celebrities and visuals and mechanics that are in this very fucking expensive game. Yeah. Well, Monster Energy, I think we can all agree, is an evolutionarily perfect beverage. Like, it, it, it is refined to the point that it can never improve nor degrade. It is yeah in a point of stasis. If you actually pour it out in zero gravity... It falls as if gravity's there, and it's the only thing that does. You can keep it in a glass. Yeah. Monster Energy ain't going nowhere. The def- the sort of argument for realism in games is something that I always sort of uh, weirds me out. Like, how much realism do you actually want, really? Yeah. Like, when you think about it. And the, the comparison I always uh, draw is, imagine you're playing a first-person shooter, right? And... When you reload a clip, 
you know, there's no such thing as a tactical reload, or it's not beneficial to do a tactical reload because you have a half-empty clip, because then you would just have to take the time to put more bullets into that clip to use it later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's one of my greatest fears, and I think one or two games have done it, one of my greatest fears, because I reload ev- all when, when I play a shooter constantly. Too much, actually. Yeah, because if I don't, I'll forget, and I will run out of am- ammunition. So it yeah. just has to be a reflex after a point. So I, I, I do it, like, fastidiously. And my fear is, and ev- almost every shooter I've ever played, a little voice in the back of my head at one point says, what if when you reload, it's wasting the bullets that are already there? Yep. And and that voice is just there. And uh, there are a few games that do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a few do, but I never know which ones do while I'm playing. And I, and for some reason, it always bugs me. Well, it's an efficiency thing. Yeah, I, I think if Kojima, if Kojima made an FPS and could just do whatever he want, he'd make you put every bullet in. He'd make you put every fucking bullet in one by fucking one. There would be a whole like downtime sequence in the menu before you go out to mission, where you would load every individual bullet into all of the clips, and you have a limited number of clips, and it tracks how many clips you have, and you can acquire more bullets in. A mission, but you could still only carry so many clips, so you'll have to stop somewhere along the way and plug them in one after another. And you know what? It's going to be a button sequence. And some people will like that. Oh, yeah, some people will love it. Yeah, some people will like that. Not me. No. Not me, friend. Yeah. I think one of the best things to have happened to horror games in recent years was when they said, okay, we did it in a few games, but now we don't have to do the thing where you hold a button and drag the mouse to open a door. We can just go back to pressing a button to open the fucking door. Yeah. It was one of the best things that ever happened was when they decided you can just press a button to open a door again. Well, it's, it's like games set in the past where it's like, hey, because guns used to be shitty, we made the guns feel really shitty to use in our game. And I'm like, yeah, but you made the guns feel really shitty to use in your game, though. Yeah. One exception to the horror door thing, if it's an optional thing where you can, to be like stealthy and sneaky, open the door a bit and look through for scary things. Yeah, into that. If it's there as an option, that's fine. But not if you have to. But it's it got so old so quick. There was that period of time, middle, I think it was like mid-last generation, uh, amnesia and that had happened, and no, loads of these horror games were coming out that were making you manually open doors with movements of, of sticks and mice. It's like, no, no, this this got old real quick. Um, I've been playing The Witcher 3 at the same time as Death Stranding, like, in and around it. And it's it made it even worse because The Witcher 3 is the antithesis of something like Red Dead Redemption 2 or Death Stranding in some ways. In that they're both, like, they're all very expansive open worlds with tons of stuff to do. And they're all immersive and you can get lost in there for hours. But... When I play The Witcher 3, when I'm riding on the horse, if I go through a wooded area, the horse, if it hits a tree, will just go round it for me. It'll just glide through the trees. Whereas in Red Dead Redemption 2, if I so much as look at a tree, Arthur will go flying through the fucking air and the horse will break a leg. I'm like, I don't want to be terrified to play the game. And that's what some of these games, when they go over the top with realism, do. I don't want to be terrified running with Norman Reedus for a bit. Because if I do, he'll spill and fall on his stupid face. Or I don't want to not... I I don't want to feel like um, I don't want to loot things because the looting animation will be exquisitely animated. You play Red Red Dead Redemption 2, and Arthur goes through carefully the pockets of everybody you loot. When I play The Witcher 3, I press a button. There's the shit. 
press a button, the shit is mine now. I want to be able to, in Death Stranding, go over the crest of a big mountain or hill and see, like, oh, there's an amazing-looking place that is probably where I'm going, and to be able to just, like, run down the hill excitedly towards where I'm going. I want to be able to see a place and go, I don't see any guards or anything, I just want to run towards the cool place and not worry that I'm going to trip over and accidentally crack the thing that my baby's in or something. And then the fucking... All the stuff I'm carrying on my back will just go flying and I'll have to wander around picking it all up. Oh, here's ten minutes of picking up my my UPS boxes that I dropped. I mean, I know that people fucking... A lot of people knew I wasn't going to like this. I didn't know much about it even close to launch. I I deliberately wanted to... I'd heard enough, but I was... I wanted to go in with as open a mind as possible. But people were right. This is the antithesis of what I like in games. I, I, I famously have little patience for time wasting. And that game has no respect for anyone's time. So I went back to The Witcher 3 and just played Gwent yeah. over and over again because it cannot be overstated how fucking good Gwent is as a mini game. If Kojima played Gwent, if, if Kojima had Gwent in Death Stranding, You'd have to move the stick to manually pick up and place every single fucking card and then manually press buttons to put the cards back in the box when you're done. The thing is, I feel like if Pokemon hadn't come out this week, I probably would have kept playing Death Stranding out of a weird fascination with it. Like, I I want to know more about what is in this game, but I don't enjoy the moment-to-moment act of playing it enough right now to justify not playing something that I actually like moment-to-moment. Yeah, I just, I've got better things to do. Like, again, more power to anyone who likes it. I'm, as as always, I'm envious of people who like it. Yeah. I I would have loved to have loved it myself, but I've got, I've, I just have better things to do. Yeah. And better games to play. Games that, that respect my time and care more about me playing it than not playing it so that it can be indulgent yeah. and, and pleasure itself in front of me. I, I don't have time for Death Stranding wasting my time when I could be running around in endless circles trying to find the, the dog Pokemon <laughs> with a heart on its butt in a shiny form. I want a shiny dog with a heart on its butt. Well, you, you don't want the game to waste your time. You want to waste your own time. Oh, yeah, I feel in control if I'm wasting my own time. Yeah. It's your choice. Yeah. You you are choosing to waste your time looking for heart-butted dogs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's enough that the game has a stamina meter. It doesn't then also need a max stamina cap that degrades until you go into the, your private room because the game's so desperate to make you go in there so that you can play with little plastic figures and take a shit and do other things that add nothing to the actual gameplay, but are just there because they wanted it there. Uh, It's a monument. It is a monument to ego, is that game. It is a game that it, it screams of a creator who had no one to tell him, Maybe a little less of this, or maybe a little less of that. Maybe we cut that down a bit. He had no one saying no to him. Well, that's the problem. But the problem with uh, with video game auteurs, and there's there's nothing wrong with auteurs to a point, but the problem with video game auteurs is I don't think a single one of them so far in charge of major studios are good enough to be one. Yeah, I keep being reminded of other auteurs and my opinions on them, or other video game auteurs and my opinions on them when I think about Kojima and Death Stranding. I I think a lot about um, 
David Cage, who clearly just wants to be making short films, because that's what he's good at. If you watch like the the Kara tech demo, that is a five minute short film that I think is unambiguously a a good, impressive work of art, more so than the games he makes. Uh, y- you look at something like Death Stranding, and I'm like, some of these cutscenes and the storytelling you're doing are fantastic. Why am I walking around for this amount of time to progress that? Like. It, it. I have a lot of weird, conflicting feelings about about this. Also, the number of recognizable faces in this that seem like they're there just because they're fr- friends with Kojima has been really off-putting so far. Again, again, it's all part of that self-indulgence. Yeah. I mean, they marketed the game so heavily around Norman Reedus that I do not see what's his name, Sam Porter, Sam Bridges, whatever it is. I don't see the character of Sam. I only see Norman Reedus. Yes. Well, same for um, Mads Mikkelsen, same for uh, Guillermo del Toro. I just see the person and not the character at this point. Yeah, because they're there as... They're not so much there to play characters as they are there to be gimmicks. Yeah. It, they're gimmicks in this in this game. Doesn't some in-game lore also say that, like, asexuality is a phase or something? That's another thing, yeah, that I saw going around. Well, they, they sort of link um, the decline of... Uh, a decline of sexual interest in people to the Death Stranding. Yeah, they, they basically try and imply um, asexuality... No, maybe not only exists, but they try and imply that it primarily exists because people are too depressed about the state of the world to fuck each other. Like, rather than it being a legitimate innate part of people. Yeah. Which, that is not my response to depression, by the way. No, My no. response is the entire other direction. So I have a <laughs> oh, real yeah. problem uh, with that assessment. The other, I mean, and there's a bit of a, like, a cultural thing that I understand how this winds up in this story because Japan is going through a thing right now with its population decline. Yeah. And so from Kojima's perspective, I could see how this would wind up in the narrative, but woof. I, I yeah, I feel like it is, it is, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It is probably a direct consequence of Japan's uh, birth rate situation, but it's not good. From what I've seen, because I, I think like pansexuality and stuff, which of course is, is, is of interest to myself from a personal perspective, mm. is brought up as well. And it, from what I saw, it's like, an older bloke is trying to be current and not doing a great job of it. Yeah. Like, I saw some people, like, trying to um, defend it from the perspective of, well, it's in-game lore and, and it's like a doctor saying it. It's like... No, no. But it's, it, it goes unchallenged and is presented as part of the game's backstory, so it's not exactly unobjectively presented. <laughs> It's in-game lore in a game that exists in our world where someone in our world decided I'm going to put this viewpoint in and not any counter perspective. You know, that's the context. But, uh, you know, uh, that that's that's not great. It's not great. Be aware of that if you're playing it. There are some political issues that Kojima's games are, are quite decent at tackling. When it comes to the identity stuff, historically, looking oh, back at yeah. Metal Gear Solid as well, yeah. He shouldn't he probably that's not his lane. If we if we're talking about like, you know, the perils of nuclear war, perhaps you turn to Kojima, but for for gender and sexuality, I don't think he'd be my first port of call. Yeah, like he 
to be honest, he just comes off like he doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. In, in yeah. Looking historically at some of his games that dabble in that area. But anyway, yeah. just to wrap up on Death Stranding, just I'm glad people are enjoying it. And I'm glad that yeah. Kojima Productions, not just one man, there was a whole fucking team of them. Yeah. I'm glad they got to make the game they wanted to make. I mean, that's something cool. Yep. You see a big budget game so compromised these days. Um, but sometimes compromising with someone, even if it's just a friend you will listen to as a game developer, might be nice just to rein something in at some point. I, I, I'm fascinated to see what the next Kojima Productions game looks like in terms of its scope. We'll see, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad they got to make the game they wanted to make, but it is so far removed from what I consider uh, a tolerable game. <laughs> So that's unfortunate, but ah, just gave me more time to play The Witcher 3 again. Gwent is so good. I never played the standalone, the the free-to-play one. I don't know if it's better or worse or what, but... It's, it's, it's about the same. Do you just want to play Gwent without having to boot up The Witcher? It's, it's from Gwent. It's basically the same. I might play it then. Yeah, I'm there for that. I don't know that I want to play The Witcher, but I'll play Gwent. <laughs> there we are. A uh, couple, couple of other things before we wrap up quickly... Uh, they released the new trailer for that Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, movie. Yeah. And he, he looks less, he looks less terrifyingly uncanny. They fixed the problem of I no longer look at him and want to scream. Yeah. Yeah. I still find him a bit creepy, personally. Yeah, but the only thing now that, like, really, uh, is intriguing about the film to me is seeing Jim Carrey do Jim Carrey, which I've seen before. Yeah. Uh, at least the old design was like, what the fuck am I watching? Uh, so, I don't know. It's fine. I I will admit, like, it, it's like the Kojima thing where I'm, like, glad people enjoy it and all that, but I'm, like, I'm glad people are happy with the new Sonic. But from a personal perspective, <laughs> especially as one half of a podcast where we talk about <laughs> video game yeah. movies, I think I'd have gotten a lot more personally out of watching The Nightmare Hedgehog. You, you'd have enjoyed a train wreck more than you would have a passable fine f- middle of the Rome film it's just yeah I mean the whole thing just looks fine it's like very typical Hollywood kids film like my, my perspective is I I didn't have any particular interest before or after but I have assuming that like they didn't horribly 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 crunch the studio to make this happen um you know because obviously that is a potential problem that could have arisen but I think that this is a far more reasonable design for this character to have it it doesn't trigger terrifying nightmares in me which is yeah. probably a good idea uh i i will say it it they they went to the right people to redesign it i think because like you know how sonic mania is the most that people have enjoyed sonic in a long time because they got all the people that made all the good fan roms to make a game oh yeah uh they went and got one of the people off that who's like hey you knew how, you know how to make sonic and you made everyone that everyone liked. Can you make a film design for <laughs> us that everyone will like? And that feels like probably like the, they 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 did the right thing. I think. And on that note, on that note, put the tinfoil hats away. Yeah. Paramount did not do all of this on purpose. None of this was a stunt. Do you understand how capitalism works? There are many things companies will do for stunts. They will not go so far as to put that much money and resources into a fake trailer with the actors and everything (laughs) to send billboards and posters and cutouts to movie theatres 
to the point where I saw them in theatres in Mississippi with the old design. Yeah. They wouldn't have had merchandise prototypes ready and have conducted major interviews already if it was all a bit. For Sonic, of all things. <laughs> you are correct. But also, I will still make jokes about the conspiracy because it's a funny idea. But, you, you know, you're right. There is... Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, like... If if it's all in good fun, that's fine. But some people are legitimately trying to push this theory no. that Paramount did it as a bit, and I don't even think Disney would put that much effort into doing a bit like this for Star Wars, let alone Sonic, which is no one's gonna take the Sonic property and try and go fucking high concept with its marketing. Come the fuck on, come the fuck on. Well, you say that, you say that. You know who would. Whoever the mad genius behind the Sonic Twitter account, they would. If, if the Sonic Twitter was making this film, then yes. <laughs> I mean, I can remember, if I'm not mistaken, at one point people in charge of marketing Sonic uh, decided to send you an enormous banner as a practical joke. They did, yes. That is true. <laughs> but the banner had already been made and they... And judging by how big it was and how it took up so much space in my house, no one fucking wanted that banner. <laughs> that's different. Uh, like, that Sonic Twitter account was good for a while. Like, they had a good sense of humour. Like, back when I was at Destructoid, I wrote an article about that Twitter account being like, I don't know if this was written by someone who's just, like, had enough and they're too tired or there was an irresponsible child being left behind the <laughs> wheels. And they, they tweeted about the article. They were like, why not both? Yep. <laughs> like they, they had a good sense of humour about criticisms of themselves. They It was good stuff. They they made fun of me a couple times. It was it was fun stuff. Uh, also I saw this meme someone shared on Facebook. It was that one of Lisa Simpson with the, the like PowerPoint thing behind her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they replaced the text and that. And it was like and it was meant in seriousness. It said something along the lines of we should all go and see the Sonic movie because the company listened to us and we should show our support. Fucking what? No. You should you should only go and see Sonic at, at the movie theaters if you want to see it. Yes. Not to show your support because a corporation panicked and threw out its design by committee and threw in another design by committee. Corporations are not your friends, and no, you should not. You should not feel obligated to go and support something because they, because you think they listened to you. They wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. This is all marketing. This is focus-tested shit. Yeah. They heard people were making fun of it. They panicked. They didn't do it to make you all happy. They did it to get you to put up memes like this about how we should all go fucking see it. Yeah. I found that so tacky. Yeah, I, I agree with you that that feels really tacky. Like, you know, I, I can simultaneously go, yeah, you know what? This is a better this is a better design, and that that is that is an improvement. You you've made a less <laughs> horrifying looking creature. But also, yeah, we don't owe you anything. Two of this podcast are gonna go see it because you've you've got to. Well, no, the the only reason they did it was to make money. It wasn't to to make us all feel special and seen. Hmm. My. God. My God. Yeah. Go see it if you want to see it. Like, I'm not saying you should not yeah. go see it. Yeah. Just go see it if you want to see it and let that be the reason. I will tell you later. Like, in yeah, in, in, in like six months or whenever I get around to watching it and we do a podcast about it, then we will say don't see this movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I might go and see it just out of morbid curiosity, but like, I don't feel like I have to. You realise, Conrad, when I move up near you... 
we're going to go movie theater trips. We're going to go see these at the same time. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Oh, that's going to be so sweet. It's going to be awful. <laughs> I'm terrible to watch films with. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. Um, yep. and, I'm, and I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I'm okay to watch films with if I'm not bored, but I will be bored for some of these. <laughs> uh, I remember I really pissed off my friend who really liked the X-Files, and we went to see the X-Files movie together, and I got bored halfway through. So I just leaned in and started talking about the mating habits of chameleons. <laughs> he was not uh, pleased. Um, the only other thing I had on the topic list for this week, uh, Stadia... That Google streaming thing. Uh-huh. Uh, we know we know what it's launching with, and the answer is not a lot. Oh, you mean you mean you're not excited to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the hot new game from Ubisoft? Are you not excited to play the Tomb Raider games again? All of them. I made a great joke earlier. I did a video on this. I said and I'll do it again. It's even if you've seen the video, right, listeners, you get to hear it again because it's so good. Here's this joke: <laughs> Google Stadia. More like Google Tomb Raider. <laughs> ha ha right, yeah, ha! Great right. joke. A plus. Round of applause for me. Look, I, I don't understand why you guys are also down on this because, like, one of the exclusive to Stadia features is going to be that you can have a forty-player uh, race in Grid. Ah, a forty-player race in Grid. Grid. Yeah, this could not be done on any other hardware. That this was literally a things. headline. This changes things. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> 40-player grid. Grid, guys. Uh, grid. And with the latency, it's going to be buttery smooth. <laughs> well, they could do this on the hardware. It's just there's not going to be a whole lot else you can no. do on it. So, th- there is one exclusive at launch, and admittedly, I- I- I'm intrigued by the exclusive. It's called Glint. It's by uh, uh, Tequila Works, is it? Yeah, I don't want to bash it as a thing because it does look nice. Yeah. And Tequila did, like, co-developed the Sexy Brutal, yeah. which is one of the best games in the world. So I don't want to bash it, but at the same time, I am still duty-bound to point out that that is not going to set the fucking world on fire. So, here's here's the thing. 100%, I would have checked that game out as a Stadia exclusive, and it would have got me to try out Stadia, if Stadia had launched with the ability to use any of your controllers, which is the thing that in the future they're going to have, but currently doesn't exist. Right now, you have to spend 120 quid to get their special controller and their subscription and whatever to then spend additional money to to try guilt that's the barrier if i could just plug my my 360 controller into my pc go onto stadia and buy glint i'd go uh uh, yeah oh guilt i keep trying to call it glint uh guilt and play it i'd probably go you know what that's an exclusive game from a company that makes games i like i will try stadia in order to try this yeah, I think I'm just going to wait for Guild to come up on another system. Yeah. Because it fucking will at some point, surely. Or or try it when Stadia, Stadia eventually lets you use your own controllers. I, I just recently saw an advertisement for another, like, super hot exclusive, uh, former exclusive game. Uh, you might remember Super Lucky's Tales just hit Switch recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we all remember how everyone was clamoring to get Super Lucky's Tale when Scorpio... That is exactly the... That is the exact comparison I brought up um, yeah. in the video as well, because it reminds me of the Xbox One X launch, where it's like Microsoft had nothing in the bag for it. So it relied on third parties to just showcase what the Xbox One X could do. And Google is in the exact same situation, only it's a little bit worse because 
they're trying to sell us on a whole platform, not just an upgrade. And they don't even have newer games. It's not just about exclusives. They don't even have some new-ish games. It's you, you know what I what looking at this launch lineup makes me think. They really got screwed by Doom Eternal getting delayed because I think that was going to be their linchpin. They've probably yeah. That is a game that is new and that you can play day and date when it comes out, and that got pushed back to next year. And I think that really screwed up their attempt to make this look like a cool launch. Yeah, because otherwise, like who who's the demographic for early adoption? People in it for the novelty factor, and people who were really interested in. I'll pick one of the games um, from the list. Someone who was really interested in Red Dead Redemption 2 did not care about it enough to get a console or a PC for it or or could even afford the hardware for it, yet is interested enough or has enough money to buy it now as a streaming thing. And I'm sure there are those people, but I don't think it's going to be a big audience pool of people who hit those very particular um uh elements you know yeah it seems niche it's starting to look all a little bit vr to me where it's like plenty of good ideas but yeah who is gonna be doing who's gonna be where's the mainstream appeal here yeah i there's there's a lot of stuff that that has rung very strange about this. Um, apparently, at least in the UK, uh, people who inquired about getting press uh, accounts for for Stadia to try it out, you got like the ability to log into Stadia in a controller, but you had to buy your own games to test on Stadia. Oh, they fuck off. They didn't they didn't give you access to any of the Stadia games. <laughs> Makes me wonder if they've got any real agreements with any of the publishers. So apparently that was different in America, but it, okay. it, it, it gave me a chuckle, that. I mean, here's, yeah, like, here's the thing. Like, I would maybe buy a game just to try it out, out of professional curiosity. If, if it wasn't for the 120 quid that you have to invest right now to jump in. But if I need to use a controller and I've got to get it through there, if I've got to pay more than just buy a game and stream it on something, then, yeah, not interested. That's the only reason I'm interested, is if they have an exclusive game and I can just pay for that one game and use my own controller, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll give it a novelty try. Fucking... Jedi Fallen Order and Pokemon are out on the same fucking day, just a few days ahead of Google Stadia. I'm not wasting my money on games I already fucking own. Yeah. When I could be... Well, I'm not wasting money on games I already own if it's not on the Switch. There's the there's the difference maker. The Stadia ain't the Switch. I ain't doubling down on purchases. I'm moving soon. Yeah. Yeah. Google can fuck off. I mean, the other thing is, is that Google can fuck off. Yeah, that that too. I don't trust Google. I don't trust Google with one of these services. This is, I mean, there's that that killedbygoogle.com, the Google graveyard. If you go there, you will see all of the things, all of the services and platforms and products that Google has put out and then dropped all support for. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a fucking lot. They're like magpies. They're like Sony with handhelds. They'll just pick these things up and then drop them the moment, the moment it looks like they're not going to get the returns they hoped for, which is what most businesses do, except Google does it all the time. Hey, 
I disagree with you. I'm 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 gonna go post on what was it? What was their social network called? Uh, Google Circles. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go per- post on my Google Circle about about this. <laughs> I'll I'll wait to see stories about whether it's good. Luckily, I've got my Google Reader set up to oh, uh. but yeah, I, I I I mean we're already coming to a point where the holes in the hole in, in the live service boom are starting to get bigger and bigger. Like we're seeing things like Anthem, where all of the promises have fallen away and it's just turned out to be bullshit. Um, we're seeing it with well, we, we've seen it for decades with games that needed like online servers to work. Yep. And then eventually the server support drops, even if people are still enjoying playing it and they can't play it anymore. Sometimes they even try and set their own servers up and then get hit with a cease and fucking desist. So yeah. I don't trust most businesses when they tell me they're going to support something, much less where Google of all companies is like, give us sixty bucks, we've got this. No, you don't got this, Google. I don't trust that you got this. And I'm not giving you $60 to access a game I already have downloaded somewhere else, even just to test it out, when there's no guarantee this will be around next year. Yeah. There just isn't a guarantee. I mean, we can all say that it's likely they're going to support it for a few years. But at the same time, it's Google. There's literally no guarantee that a year from now, Google Stadia will be around. It may be. I'm not saying it will die. I'm just saying that... With their track record. There is reason to be cautious. Yeah, there's certain reason to doubt their words if they tell us that this is going to be a long-lasting service. If it if it's not here next year, I won't say I called it. I'm not predicting that. But I certainly wouldn't find it jaw-droppingly shocking. Yeah. I think that's enough caveats around what I've said there to fully protect myself from any future events right. <laughs> regarding Stadia. Uh, uh, are we are we done? That'll do. I feel pretty done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll do. I've I've got to go take a body scan for the next Kojima game. Oh, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Oh. Actually, by the time they see the industrial-sized scanner they're bringing in <laughs> on the pulled by forty elephants, people will figure that it's me. I've- I've got to go. I've got to go find my my butt heart dog. Oh yeah, you gotta go find your butt heart dog. So we we've we've all got important things to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go check over that list of Ducktales Ducktales episodes in order that Justin sent me, so I can go watch them on Disney Plus in the right order. <laughs> what you gotta do, Conrad? Tell us a funny thing you're doing. I thought I'd just have some lunch. That's, oh, that's gr- uh, that actually sounds like a genuinely great idea. Yeah. Forget about our nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Let's all go get lunch. Um. While we go make ourselves a lovely sandwich, Laura, um, why don't you tell them what they can do now that this podcast is leaving them into their, you know, just <laughs> leaving them alone with their empty, horrid lives? Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Uh, if you if you follow along on Twitch or YouTube, I'm going to be doing a full playthrough of Pokemon Sword, going through all the story stuff and then doing a bunch of shiny hunting. So check that out. If you want to find links to everything I publish, laurakbuzz.com, it all ends up there. Uh, I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels, it's out now, it's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and you can get that where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. 
Uh, there is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which finally has a release month sorted. It's not as early as we'd hoped, but it, it, it has a date now. Uh, it's going to be releasing in October 2020. Uh, it's going to be printing in the spring. You should get it a month or two earlier if you backed it on uh, Unbound. We're starting to do some of the digital rewards for that now. So if you if you ordered a digital reward of some kind, keep an eye on your inbox. Other than that, I'm on Pixel Squirt. It's a video game porn review podcast. Uh, there is Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where we have a bit of a catch up. We have two queer trans women doing silly voices and stuff. And there's Dice Funk, which is the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that I am on seasons three, four, five, and six of, along with Conrad. What do you what do you do? Ah, well, let's see. I I am on Twitter. You can find me there at Conrad Zimmerman. I uh, make buttons with pithy things and gross things in some cases. I just put out a new button inspired by the Watchmen. That's it's a lovely a- one. That is. Yeah. It, it it's a lot like the comedian's button, except it's not a smiley face; it's a frowny face, and that is not. Well, I mean, I guess you could call it human bean juice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could find that at pinfultruth.com. P i n f u l t r u t h dot com. You can, as Laura mentioned, hear me on Dice Funk seasons five and six. You can also hear me on Boston's Favorite Son, which is a show I do with Jim. That is. Uh, not as good as other podcasts that we have done in the past uh, and is bad and not to be listened to, apparently, and we should just stop. But it comes at the expense. It comes at the direct expense of a podcast that I'm literally about to hit publish on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it comes at the expense of a show called The Spinoff Doctors, where Jim and I uh, watch video game-based movies and uh, have a terrible time about it. And there is a new episode of that coming very 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 soon probably i'm literally posting it like if you're hearing clicking right now listeners like i'm copying and pasting all of the boilerplate information um <laughs> literally the moment we're done I'm, I'm publishing it so it'll be out by the time this is out like it'll be out before then so you should have already listened to it you cheeky little listeners yeah and uh, i do a podcast about bojack horseman called of horse bojack horseman fan cast which i you know there will be another episode of that at some point. As soon as the editing gets done, that'll be out. But that's a fun one and, and worth checking out. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's it. I think that's everything from me. What about you, Jim? Oh, you've got a Patreon, don't you? I've heard about that. I've heard I've heard the, that I've been getting into the old e-begging game. Um, that's what they call it to sound cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That basically pays for the Jimquisition and podcasts and everything. Um, keeps everything running, keeps everything ad-free for now until YouTube forces ads on everything. Um, not saying that's going to happen. It's just a constant fear I have that one day they're like, you've got to put them on. You've got to put them on. Well, with with YouTube recently going, oh, we, we reserve the right to take down your account if it's not profitable to us. I mean, commercially, yeah, the whole commercially viable thing. Just Well, you know, join, join the Patreon just so that, you know, if... if we have to transition all of the video content entirely to Patreon. You'll still know it's existing. Yeah. You'll still know it's there. Um, so, yeah, the Patreon's good. I, I do Twitch streaming now. Um, it's been a super busy week this week, even more than usual, because I've got to do some traveling and, and some personal life stuff. Um, very exciting stuff, actually, but um, I'm not talking about it yet until it's definitely done and I don't have to worry about it. Um, so I've not been doing it as much this week, but um, if you go to Twitch uh twitch tv slash jimquisition again 
Um, I, I do live streams now as well. They've been very fun. Well, that's that's why while you're not doing them, everyone should come over to Twitch slash Laura K Buzz and watch me do all the Pokemon. That's that is true. You are Pokemon. That's another one. Come do yeah. You do a thousand things. I do too many things. We could do an entire podcast, a new podcast called just What Laura Is Doing. <laughs> um, but that's it. I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that's all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support, for sharing it, whatever it is you do, even if you just listen, it's all good. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yeah, see people say they found that one obnoxious fucking pricks.